Hi, Craig. Welcome to episode eight of HubShots. How's the week been? Actually, it's been pretty good, Ian. I'm thinking of Monday morning. What did we get up to? Oh, yes. A very unusual Monday morning. We met Mads at the new HubSpot office on Hunter Street. Yeah, it was cool uh, to meet them again, say, drop in and say hi. Yes, and I love that they've obviously got a space that's ready for growth. And it actually reminded me a lot of Boston. They try to keep a lot of the same elements. Right. Yeah, I didn't see the Boston office, so you got to see it at Inbound, didn't you? Yes. And so I love that it was pretty consistent there. I guess they're trying to create something that's very much a part of their brand and a part of their culture in Sydney, but still have something special to Australia. Yeah, that was cool. So, And also I did notice yeah. there was a help spot in there. So there is going to be very soon support in Australia by the looks of things. Oh, right. Very cool. The desk was there and ready to go. <laughs> Just waiting for someone to fill the seat. So, yeah, that's exciting. And so I was excited by seeing that, that they've actually thought about it. Mm, cool. Okay, so shot one, let's go to Inbound Thought of the Week. Yeah, and so this is another one from you, uh, from Daniel Pink's talk. Yes, and you know we loved that session. It was one of the last sessions we attended it was great. at yep. Inbound this year. And I think one of the biggest things he was saying was that there is this information asymmetry where the seller has more information now, right? And he said, buyer beware. And I thought that was rather interesting because, you know, people do have a lot more information but in the same respect, people on the sales side of the fence also have a lot more tools. Yeah. So, I mean, if we think in terms of HubSpot, in terms of Sidekick, there is a lot of information that we have available at our hands that we can understand about people who are buying from us. And I think it's about using that. So, I think definitely it's definitely weighing more in the seller's court at the minute because they have a lot of information but i think that's where sales needs to catch up because there is just as much information out there for people selling to know more about the buyers that they're selling to yeah right so if i understand correctly he he was talking about how how the game has shifted in a way and so yeah buyer beware but also seller beware seller beware because the buyer is in control of everything and they come they actually don't contact the sales team until late in the in the whole process so the buyers have a lot more information available to them that they can um, glean off websites and and research from themselves so that's scary for people who are selling but what you're saying is, well, also buyer beware because the sellers actually have a lot more information about the buyers or the prospects that are uh, that are eventually contacting them. So yeah, it's it's interesting, and I, I guess the 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 key thing is though it has shifted and the buyers do have a lot of the power. Make sure if you're on the selling side that you don't give away all the advantage and and miss taking um, advantage of all the tools that are available. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so there you go. Now for this week's feature and tip, HubSpot feature. And I think I like what you've got here. It's about tra- creating tracking URLs in the URL builder. Yeah. Do you want to talk more about that? Yeah, so I, I, it's just uh, I think most people at, uh, in HubSpot, they probably use the create tracking URL feature. But there's a little piece of it there that not maybe not everyone realizes. And when you go through and you're creating your tracking URL, there's actually, when you create it right on the final screen, there's actually a little AdWords tracking template 
piece that it's prepared for you as well. So if you've been doing AdWords ads and then you want to grab that tracking template and then input it in your ad copy, it's already all prepared for you there. So just a little tip to take advantage of that because that's not available, for example, in Google's URL builder. Uh, but the HubSpot tracking URL builder has it. So a very nice tip and we'll include a little screenshot in the show notes so you can uh, see what that looks like. I think that's a great one, Craig. It's very handy, yeah. All right, now on to the challenge of the week, Craig. And I, I think um, I'd love to acknowledge Brendan because I think he just scraped in with this one for this episode. So I don't know whether we have the answer, but we're going to talk about it. Yes. So uh, thank you to Brendan Livingston, who this came in seriously just a couple of minutes before we started recording this episode. And we're recording this on Tuesday, 24th of November in the evening. Uh, nice day in Sydney, by the way, but uh, that's beside the point. Email has just come in. He heard our last episode and he's put in his challenge and it's he's, he's explained it quite well. I'm just going to give a very quick summary of it. His challenge that he's having is that when you build HubSpot forms, they've got this nice feature with their, uh, they place a cookie in the browser so that you fill out a form. If you come back, and fill out the form again, it pre-fills with some of your details. So that's quite handy. You don't have to type in everything again. Now, what happens is that sometimes people share browsers or maybe they sign up for something and then they sign up for their colleague as well. And in those instances, you've actually got two different contacts who are using the same form in the same browser. And the cookie, which has been there as a feature to pre-fill, actually starts working against you. And you find these odd situations where sometimes it doesn't overwrite the fields with the new data. It goes in, it mixes up contacts, records, and that also tends to sync through to Salesforce as well. So his question is, uh, any thoughts on how to resolve this? Now, I guess the very simple way is, okay, turn the cookies off so it doesn't have cookies. But that's kind of takes away from some of the user experience. Ideally, we want to get around that. So that's his challenge. Now, as you said, Ian, we actually don't have a solution for him at this point, but we just wanted to acknowledge it in the show. And I guess if anyone's listening and they've got a great workaround, please leave a comment. We're going to look at this and chat with HubSpot as well. And uh, hopefully in a future episode, come back with some other suggestions. But I just wanted to mention, I've actually had this same issue with a client where they actually had an inside sales team that were using one of the forms on the website and were running into all these issues as well because they were, they were actually enrolling mul- multiple people for events. And it was actually mucking up all their syncing through to Salesforce. They use Salesforce at that company. And it was causing all kinds of issues. And the basically the only short-term workaround we had is we actually created a completely separate form, took the cookie off it, and we just had an, a URL that was only for the inside sales team. And then it was a cookie-less form, so it wasn't getting pre-filled. It was just a, a, a workaround for them. So the reason I mention this is because, yep, Brendan, I've experienced this issue as well, and I'm sure other listeners I've also come across this. So it is, a, it is a problem. Thanks for submitting that to us. And we hope to come back with some, I guess, better solutions in upcoming episodes. Yeah. Thanks, Brendan. Now, opinion of the week, Craig. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like I'm hogging all, all the episodes. I'm just going to mention this briefly. I, my opinion of the week is I'm just going to have a little bit of a grumble. 
And uh, I'll see whether you agree with this, actually, Ian. But I don't think I've been to a webinar recently that had good audio quality. Every webinar that I kind of attend, sign into, just has really bad audio quality. Even HubSpot's one, like the HubSpot, some of their webinars I attend, it's like really bad audio quality. And my, my question is, why? Surely this is an opportunity, if you're running a webinar, to have awesome audio quality and especially if it's played back later you know you record the webinar and then make it available later yeah why can't they record it in high quality and then at least make that available so am i am i being completely unrealistic here what what's the problem no i don't think you're being unrealistic but i also know that obviously really bad audio quality means people tune out very quickly yeah and you're quite right like it's not great but it's still acceptable but I think you're like you said, the there is definitely a massive opportunity for people to improve their audio quality on their webinar. And maybe you know what? We should do a test for that. <laughs> we should. Maybe it's harder than it seems. I don't know. Possibly. Who knows? So let's find out. <laughs> right. And I think we're gonna we're gonna probably do a webinar towards the end of this year or the start of next year. So cool. cool. I might have definitely. to eat my words. We'll see. You may have to. All right, so the general tip of the week is paid-only landing pages. So this is where we would consider if we were running some paid traffic like from Twitter or Instagram or even Google AdWords is we take them to a specific landing page that's purely made just for the people that are coming off those ads. Mm -hmm. Now, Craig, I understand you haven't really done that, am I right? I haven't, no. It's, it, it was a suggestion and when I heard it, I thought, oh, it's such an obvious suggestion, why haven't I done that? And it's, yeah. But you've, you've actually done that a fair bit. Yeah, I have and I continue to do so, probably because I came from more of a paid background, so mm. I got into the habit of doing that. But definitely, and I think if you think about, say, Twitter, for example, people generally browsing Twitter on their handsets. Right. So I think that's one of the places where you could really win if you create a like a Twitter-only landing page and you get the information right up into the people's, right into their view first. So I'll, I'll use a good example today. Someone, I was looking at someone's site and, I, and the, they're being taken over by a competitor, right? So the competitor is basically in the market, they're paying for ads, they're doing lots of stuff and they're obviously winning. And one thing when I did looked at these two websites, I went, oh, you know, you might have been around 16 years, you've got qualified people on your team, but you know what? When I land on your site on a mobile device, it doesn't really tell me that. Right. So how do we get that information? How do we make it clear of how easily they can contact you? You know, the other person even put, you know, if you've got need assistance, call me on this 1-800 number. And I thought, well, there's a really good idea because they're on a mobile device and if they can't find, they're probably going to click that and call. Mm. So think about all these things. What experience is someone having? And I think landing pages enable you to actually try, test, and work out what is working. Yeah, I love that tip. And the reason I I really like tips that when I hear them, and then afterwards I go, oh, it's so obvious. I I should have, you know, it's it's such a good idea in hindsight. Why didn't I think of it before? So yeah, I think that's really good. And you've obviously had good results from that. I really like that kind of idea that it's about the experience that they get. If they're coming from one particular social channel, let's say, then there's a particular experience that they're used to. 
And if your landing page doesn't give it to them, then that's a missed opportunity, especially when you're paying for it. You're paying for those clicks. So That's exactly right. Okay. That's good action item for me. And All right. Now, when I'm also saying that, there's actually a, quite a good tool that I've started using called Hotjar. So hotjar.com. Okay. You can record sessions and you can actually, it creates heat maps, but it just shows you what those heat maps are on different devices. So if it's a desktop, mobile, et cetera. So I'd, I'll put a link to that, but yeah. it's a great tool that you can use and it's free up to a certain point. Nice. And also, you know what? Let's see if anyone wants their landing pages reviewed, send it to us, tweet it to us and we'll have a look and give us some feedback. Yeah, great idea. All right. Now you've, now, you've got another tip, actually. This is a nice one around hashtags. Yes, hashtags. Now, this is mainly to do for Instagram. So there, I came across this, I can't remember where, but there is a link and basically tells you what hashtags and what volume of tags are being used. So if you're looking for a relevant tag to use while you, when you're doing Instagram, you can actually search. So I'll put an example to that in the show notes so you can actually click and see what the results you get. And so next time you're doing an Instagram post and you want to hashtag something, have a look and, you know, maybe choose a tag that's slightly different that has more people searching for it or has a greater relevance in that space and use that and see what you get. Nice. I like it. All right, Craig. So I know this is a, I think we discussed this earlier about organizing resource pages. Yes. Um, th- very quickly, this is a, a, a great tip I got from the um, PNR podcast. Uh, they were talking about how people have resource pages that list all their ebooks and available guides and things like that. And I have one on our agency site as well. And you've probably got a similar one and lots of agencies have them. And um, all my clients have them as well. And the the tip was, okay, um, have a look at your resources page. Does it guide through a visitor as to what is most useful to them? And I was like, well, I know mine doesn't. There's an obvious opportunity missed. Then I was like, ah, our clients do. Then I was looking at some of the big, like famous um, sites, even some of the HubSpot resources pages and things like that. In fact, all these big players in content marketing and things like that, when you go to their resources page, it's basically a list of all their resources. There's nothing really that's guiding the visitor through. So the great takeaway for me was, okay, I'm going to redo my resources page so that it basically says, are you this? Are you a marketing manager or are you a web analyst? Here's the resource for you. Get started here. Just think that's going to make it such a better user experience for my visitors. And I'm sure because I've seen so many people don't do this, that um, if there's any kind of quick action item you want to take away from this show tonight, then try that on your resources page. Um, Revamp it, keep the visitor in mind. Yeah, and I think comes back again, Craig, to personas, right? So understand who you're talking to and organize your information in a method that those people can find it. Yeah, exactly. All right. State of inbound item for the week, Craig. Page seventy-one. Okay, so this and I really one, like this. Yeah, this is in the sales um, side of things, isn't it? Yes, it was. Actually, it was in a it was in a section that was to do with sales trends, part of the report. Yeah, and it was really interesting. It said, "What sources of information do you rely on when making purchase decisions for business software?" Now, this is 
And it said salespeople's credibility is in an all-time low, right? Yeah. <laughs> and when I guess when you look at this graph, you kind of understand. So this is from an executive perspective. And it was really interesting. 60% actually, so there was a 60% um, chance, or is that what you would say? I'm just trying to think here. So the sources of information that they rely on, 60% of respondents were saying... This the first one, which I think you're going to go through, was um, yeah, which is which is actually word of mouth, friends and social media as referrals. Yeah, so that was the largest chunk, and then was customer references at forty nine percent. At forty seven percent was analyst reports and recommendations, and what was really interesting was at the number four, which is at forty four percent, was media articles. So again, content driving this and then after that was vendor authored materials like ebooks blog posts white papers okay but I, so where I, I haven't heard you mention salesperson yet what did they figure in this okay let me um, right at the bottom at 18 <laughs> percent oh dear That's so you know it was really interesting is that arming it so one thing it really did say was that bearing in mind that executives are increasingly putting their faith in reports and social media referrals Arming yourself with content and engaging buyers on social channels could boost your credibility. In addition, because of the high importance executives place on customer references, double down on client service and post-sale customer care. Mm. So there you go, straight from the horse's mouth. Yeah, that's and I, I so just to let me just repeat your the top one. This is what sources of information do people rely on when making purchasing decisions for business software, right? So this is business software and purchasing decisions. The number one source of information is word of mouth, friends, and social media referrals. So at 60%. So that's incredible because social is such an influence. If, if, if we'd got that statistic and it was just for uh, you know, consumer software, or something, yeah, I'd speak to my friends. I'd, I'd say, oh, yeah, that's not surprising. But when it's for business software and the social media influence is so high, I find that very interesting and also very useful for um, how we incorporate that into our own marketing activities. Yeah, and you know what? Today, I've got a live example. Today I went to talk about someone's website and making it better. And we actually ended up having a, discussion about their whole email infrastructure and IT. Right. So it totally transcended. And again, they were like, they were convinced that they should be moving things into the cloud. And and they were asking about Google for work and Microsoft, like Office 365. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I went, wow, we just transcended a whole different conversation. Yeah. But again, here it is. We went and talk about something and they trust us and then they start asking us about other things. Yeah. And and it's therefore they've got a, a, another source of information. This goes back to an earlier point we we're making about um, the buyer having so much more information. They've been talking to, I guess in this case, a friend in a sense, trusted advisor, getting information before they're even contacting a salesperson or making any kind of inquiry. Isn't that interesting? Yes. Now, Craig, I know you've found another great little like state of inbound. You've got something that the Content Marketing Institute has done, which is content marketing research. Yeah. So, do you want to talk a little bit yeah, about so that? Yeah. So this is really interesting. So I'll just I'll just back up a step and uh, 
just, uh, I guess, remind people. So we were talking about the state of inbound just then. Uh, Ian was covering that point. Now, state of inbound was a report, if you haven't seen it, that HubSpot uh, put together. They compile it each year. It was based on 4,000-odd uh, survey respondents uh, looking at inbound marketing. And we've been covering a bit of that in each episode. But the Content Marketing Institute have just recently put out uh, their own piece of research. Uh, it's a, a report based on content marketing trends. And so that's also useful, it has a whole bunch of stats and interesting insights into how marketers are embracing content marketing and the kinds of things they're doing. So we thought we'd uh, just mention a few points from that each week as well. Now, what's particularly interesting about this is that they've released an Australia-specific version of it that uh, takes a a subset of the respondents and um, analyzes the trends in Australia. And we've got a link to all of these things in the show notes, of course, so you can find out uh, how to download them there. But I will just preface this one, Ian, and say that their overall report had something like 3,700 respondents, but the Australia piece of it only had 146 So a bit of a caveat there, just be aware that it's a small sample space uh, for these particular stats. But nonetheless, they're very interesting, and we just thought we'd kind of pull out two of the stats so far. And uh, I thought this this first one from page four, 46% of Australian marketers have a documented content marketing strategy, up from 37% last year. And uh, we haven't really covered this on the show yet. Actually, we probably should in an upcoming episode around the the benefits of documenting your content marketing strategy. And uh, Ian, is this yep. something you've done or that you do with your clients, actually documenting the content marketing strategy as opposed to just talking about something and making a few notes and um, leaving it that, that? Yeah, I think as we get more sophisticated, we start to do it. Mm. So it's something that we really... I guess as depends how sophisticated we're becoming, but definitely as time goes on, I think it's becoming more and more key thing that needs to happen. And I guess what's interesting because this statistic is coming out of this 146 people are probably already pretty clued in. Mm. Um, it is interesting to see the stat. Yeah. More than half don't. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Page five, top challenge. 69% say that creating engaging content is their top challenge. And 55% said that consistency was a challenge, which is interesting. Therefore, creating the right type of content is harder than creating it consistently. Yeah, I thought this was interesting, um, creating engaging content. And I was thinking about this, and when we come to some of our final points in the show, just in the next uh, sections, we'll, we'll talk about the quality of content because the quality of content is getting so much better I think this is a challenge. It's a competitive uh, environment out there and creating engaging content is getting harder and harder. And yeah, 69%, so more than two-thirds, that's their top challenge. Um, I think it's interesting that consistency isn't so much of a challenge in comparison because I actually thought that would have been harder, getting the habit formed. But people are forming the habit, but just finding it more competitive. That was my kind of takeaway from it. And I guess that bears out. I, I guess I can understand that. You'd, you could, you'd probably see this with your clients as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think this is the thing. Don't wait to start. Start now and do something and build it up. Because as you do it, you become better at it. 
Yeah, that's right. And and I think this leads on nicely to our um, probably what will be our final point tonight. We've put this in the motivation of the week and uh, it's a good example of high quality content. And this again comes out from the Content Marketing Institute. They've kind of put out, uh, it's almost like a documentary really. It's a 45 odd minute documentary i'm going to call it which is documenting the whole story and history of content marketing now it's interesting in its own right and that's why we've actually included it because it's very motivating and it's very interesting to just see how incredible Mm. um content marketing is and the impact it's having and it's helping people and it's getting away from this whole kind of manipulation into providing value but yes. in itself, it's an example of really engaging content. So it's yeah. in in some ways, it's oh my goodness, it's so it's so good. It's oh, maybe it's it, how could I achieve that level? Well, as you said, you got to get started and then you improve incrementally, improve, keep improving. But here's an example of engaging content, and that's what we need to aim for. So yeah. I found it very motivating and also very very useful to watch. Yeah, so I think action is, you know, watch that and learn more and be realistic about what you're doing and understand what content you have is working and even think about what content that you have that's working that you could make into um, video or audio format as well going forward. Yeah, content repurposing, great, good idea. Yeah. All right, Craig, I think it's been a great episode, episode number 856 (laughs) but let's call that episode eight episode eight in the old school yeah no it's been great chatting with you Ian. good to talk and we'll chat again next week have a great week see you Craig bye thank you for listening to this episode of hubshots for show notes resources hubspot news including practical strategies you can implement visit us at hubshots.com